Hi guys, this is Jake Parker. Welcome back to another episode of the Beyond Fit podcast, where it's my job to help you apply knowledge that is both scientific and practical into your own life to maximize your physique development and your overall body, as well as your mind. The combination of these two things is what makes you Beyond Fit. Hi guys, this podcast is called, Should You Track Macros? So most of you probably have at least heard of macros. And if you don't know what macros are, macros refers to macronutrients, which is the nutrients your body needs in large amounts in order to survive. And those are proteins, fats, and carbs. And actually, as we'll get to, carbs are not actually 100% necessary to survive, but proteins and fats are. So if you didn't consume at least some of those uh, at some certain point, which you know anybody who's listening to this podcast and is in the developed world as we are would never have to worry about uh, intake being low enough to die. But yeah, if you hypothetically ever got low enough in proteins and fats, you would die, you would starve to death. Um, but yeah, macronutrients, the Uh, counter to micronutrients, which the body only needs in a very small amounts in order to survive. So when it comes to macros, most of what you've probably heard is about macro tracking. And understanding macros and tracking macros can help a lot in gaining control over your diet and learning what sort of foods have what sort of caloric density and what sort of foods help keep you full for a relatively low or high amount of calories based on your goals to either cut or bulk. So the funny thing is when you go and talk about macros, a lot of people will talk about it in terms of being able to lose fat in order to um, you know, be able to control body composition and control body weight. But the funny thing is uh, one of the things that you can do with macros in addition to controlling your weight is you can use them to make sure that you're eating enough to gain weight. So I know a lot of guys, especially that are maybe in their teenage years or in their 20s, feel like they have a high metabolism and it's hard for them to eat enough. So tracking macros is for them not something that is used to maintain weight or lose weight, rather make sure you're eating enough. So like for my own example right now, I've been bulking, trying to put on weight, trying to put on muscle for about two and a half to three months now. And my calories are up to about 3,200 calories a day. And that's pretty hard to eat every day unless you're making sure to pay attention to it. Now, on the flip side, if you are someone who's food focused, has a sedentary job, just has a big appetite, likes to eat, you're not eating a lot of clean, nutrient dense um, foods then yeah, 3,200 calories can add up pretty quickly if you're eating fast food, if you're eating processed food, stuff like that. But my diet generally consists of mostly whole, nutrient-dense food, things like rice, things like potatoes, things like oatmeal for carb sources, things like meat and whey protein and a little bit of dairy for protein sources, and things like olive oil, nuts, a little bit of avocado for healthy fat sources. And then also, I'm not too... Uh, sparse with the saturated fat either. But generally, I just eat a lot of the same things. And it works pretty well to either 
put, um, tick my food intake up or down based on my goals to bulk or to cut. But sometimes like today, I was just eating some cereal because I really like cereal and I think it tastes really good. And I just needed kind of like a treat food that was a lot more calorically dense in order to help me hit my calories this week. Cause I really felt like my appetite wasn't there in order to eat 3,200 calories of clean food, which is a ton, especially if you saw like my full day of eating that I put on Instagram recently, it can turn into a lot of food when you're trying to bulk and gain muscle as a guy who has a fast metabolism and is maybe, you know, doing multiple workouts. If you do some sort of recreational sport, in addition to your lifting, or if you do some sort of class, in addition to your lifting, or you like to do some sort of cardio, um, whether for exercise or just like for fun, taking walks, bike rides with family, stuff like that. Um, all of those things can eat into your calorie intake and can be a big reason why you need to track macros in order to eat enough. Um, but like I said, macro tracking is mostly popularized to help people control weight and lose weight. And it is interesting because so often I think we hear about the calories in versus calories out argument. Is a calorie a calorie? Yes. By any estimation, a calorie is a calorie when it comes to body composition, when it comes to losing or gaining weight. Now, I think that's an overly simplistic view because some foods are so much higher on the satiety index, which just means that they're easier to eat. Again, like for example, you look at something like the carb sources I normally include in my diet, potatoes, oatmeal, rice, I can eat 100 carbs of that and I'm going to be really full. I'm going to be like pretty stuffed. But if I eat 100 carbs from something like the Cinnamon Toast Crunch cereal I had today, it's going to be not that filling. And I'm almost probably even going to want to eat more just because it's so tasty and delicious. So, you know, there is things like, you know, cutting out sugar versus not cutting out sugar or, you know, is sugar bad? I tend to kind of fall in the middle on these sort of things. And that's something that's changed, something I've changed my mind on because I just feel like it's overly simplistic to rely on just counting calories in terms of knowing how different foods can make me feel and knowing how different foods can trigger different behaviors. And in addition, as I'm gonna go into here, I just don't think that everyone has to track macros or should track macros. I think it's useful for everyone to at least give it a try, maybe for like a number of weeks or months, because that's interesting how, how much of a grip you get on it from just doing it for a little bit and then having like this intuition um, of how the sort of macro composition of your food. But normally, I think unless you have a specific bodybuilding goal like me, or you have some sort of athletic or other body composition goal for some reason, for whatever reason, it's probably not necessary that you track macros. Um, one case where it might be like in one time of year, I've always said that generally for me, about half the year is spent in a calorie surplus gaining muscle and about a quarter of the year is spent maintaining and about a quarter of the year is spent cutting. And maybe I would recommend someone to track macros in that cutting phase because sometimes calories can get pretty low and it's just easier to control in that way. Um, but anyway, going back into the beginning here, the first thing I wanted to cover, what are macros in addition to being these nutrients that we need to survive? Um, like I said, they're protein, carbs, and fats, and they all have a specific amount of calories. Proteins and carbs both have four calories per gram, and fat has nine calories per gram. So fat is the most calorically dense macronutrient. And an example of how this works out, if you were to track macros to uh, track your calories for a given day, it would be a little example here I just jotted down. We'll say 150 grams of protein. Uh, 200 grams of carbs. So that'll be 
150 grams of protein times four calories per gram equals 600 calories. 200 grams of carbs times four calories per gram equals 800 calories, so we're at 1,400. And then if you go 50 grams of fat, um, that's 50 times nine equals 450 for a total of 1,850 calories. So this would be an example of like the lowest calories I would go during the course of a year if I really was trying to lose like an extra few pounds of fat. Um, but generally, unless you're like a small woman, or like I said, for me, really trying to cut that last pound or two of fat, your calories aren't going to be this low. But that's an example of how that would work mathematically. Another thing here, I do want to emphasize again how important it is to pay attention to the composition of your calories. So like the best example is, again, talking about like a cup of rice, that would be about, I think, 120 or so grams of carbs if you're talking about dry rice. Um, and then 120 carbs from say something like Skittles, just basically pure sugar. This is going to be a totally different in the way your body processes it and the way it makes you feel. Uh, the spike in your insulin is going to result in a bunch of energy right away with the Skittles, but it's going to peter out right away. Whereas whole sources are going to last longer, especially when you pair your uh, meals together. So a lot of times I like to have maybe a cup of rice or um, about 12 ounces of potatoes, both between like 80 and 120 carbs, and then like a five or six ounce cut of meat, and then maybe some vegetables and maybe a little bit of olive oil with the vegetables, some sort of fat in there sometimes. And this meal is going to stick with you way longer than some sort of like heavily processed, again, like that Skittles, um, any like fried foods are going to have kind of the same effect that they really have not any nutritional value. We've all heard of like empty calories. And this is where I think the calories in calories out focus and strictly macro tracking focus kind of falls flat because who's going to be able to sustain a low calorie diet if you're having just these shit foods to me, again, you really have to do focus. You really have to focus on getting that 80, 20 of healthy nutrient dense foods, to about 20% of kind of whatever else you want. That's something I say a lot in the context of dieting. 80-20 seems to be a really nice sweet spot for people. And another thing is that with that 80-20 focus, you can kind of go from one day is a little more clean, it's about 90-10, and then one day you go have like a little bit of extra something and it's more like 70-30, but it kind of bounces out over time. And it's not necessarily a hard and fast, but it's just something that's pretty easy to stick to. Um, so as far as like the composition of the macronutrients here, you have protein. Protein is pretty inarguably the most important macronutrient. And that's because protein is going to be responsible for muscle growth, muscle repair, as well as having a lot to do with satiety, with how full the food is going to make you feel. So if you think about just how full you can get from like an eight ounce cut of chicken breast. I think we can all picture how full that's going to make us. Protein by far does the most in terms of keeping us full. And as we all know, as you know, you've heard the protein and bodybuilder jokes for, for years, I'm sure um, protein is the number one macronutrient that's responsible for gaining muscle. And so generally what I always say is you should strive for about a gram of protein per pound of body weight, or if that seems like a lot to you, which it definitely will, if you go and do the math and have not ever tracked macros or have like focused on a high protein diet, starting at about 0.6 grams per pound of body weight is going to be a good starting point until you can maybe try to bump that up. Not that it's 100% necessary, but protein is just going to do so much 
in terms of helping you achieve a lean and muscular body and also just not being hungry all the time. Like I mentioned, protein, uh, pairing that with like a carb and fat source is going to make you feel very satisfied and full after a meal. Um, as far as protein and a calorie deficit goes, I always try to have more protein when I'm in a calorie deficit and trying to cut and lose fat because it just does so much for satiety. Um, and then when you're in a calorie surplus and trying to gain muscle, when your body is in this influx of calories and has more calories than it's burning, it's a little bit less important to prioritize protein. Really, again, I don't think there's any reason to go less than that one gram of protein per pound of body weight, but just know if you miss it on a day here or there, um, it's not going to be as detrimental when you're in a calorie surplus because your body is already going to be kind of more primed to gain mass and gain muscle. Hey guys, just wanted to mention real quick, if you're listening right now, you qualify as a podcast listener for a discount on my coaching services. My coaching services are for people looking to sustainably build the fittest and healthiest body they can. I offer custom workout plans as well as specialized nutrition advice and keep you accountable with weekly check-ins and actionable challenges. There's a money-back guarantee if you're unhappy at any time and there's no commitments, so please check it out. The link is in the show notes. When choosing protein sources, you want to be careful to try and get a source that is complete. So generally, I'm not going to go too deep into the science on this, but a complete protein is something from a dairy source or meat source. Uh, vegan sources, like the protein you're getting from, say, uh, vegetables, which is super, super minimal, um, but like vegetables, legumes, rice, um, some grains do have a decent amount of protein, but you're not going to want to look at that as your main source of getting protein. Um, having vegan protein sources, if you are vegan, is a pretty different topic that I can talk about if you want to go ahead and reach out uh, either by email or Instagram DM, um, which are both accessible from my Instagram page. But yeah, you want to try to reach for complete protein sources. Me personally, um, I've landed on eating eggs with whey protein in the morning and then um, having a lunch that has about five to eight ounces of meat and then having a dinner that has about five to eight ounces of meat. I talked recently about the fact that I'm eating three meals a day pretty strictly and pretty regularly. And that works really well for me because again, you're getting these full balanced meals. You're really not hitting any like big hunger pangs throughout the day. And it's a lot easier to track your macros. If like me, you're eating a lot of similar meals day to day. Um, I know that some people kind of prefer more variety, but I would challenge you to stray away from that and get some sort of a grip on having similar meals because that's going to help your day-to-day -day macros vary less and make the really strict tracking um, less of a priority. But this is the one macronutrient where I really love a supplement. And it's funny because I don't even really consider it a supplement. Personally, I consider it more of a whole food source, but this is where protein powder is really, really, really key. Like I said, if you've never calculated your protein intake before, if you try to see how close you're getting to a gram of protein per pound of body weight, you're going to see that it's probably pretty far off. And don't feel bad because that's pretty much anyone who's following any rendition of anything close to like the standard American diet that we were kind of brought up on. Um, but if you have a diet that's more focused on getting a few servings of high quality protein uh, a day, that's going to help you out a lot. And having one of those be a protein supplement that can be anywhere from like 30 to 
50 grams of protein per scoop is just going to do obviously wonders in cutting into that uh, 150 plus grams of protein per day that you're going to need if you're anywhere where around, you know, like a male, I guess, typically closer to like the 170 or more, a female closer to like maybe the 120, 130 or more, obviously all depending on like size and stuff like that. But to get enough protein, a protein supplement is almost going to be necessary for most people that aren't eating like three cuts of meat as well as multiple eggs and maybe like another dairy source per day. So it's important to note that I think it's kind of funny how protein supplements got this reputation that they're, you know, all about having them after your workout. You know, I really don't think that they're that important to have after your workout. A lot of times I'll wait an hour or two and have a meal after my workout. There's something that's referred to as the anabolic window. And really the anabolic window is largely a myth. What I substitute in my own day-to-day life instead of the anabolic window is the peri-workout window, which just states that you should have a high quality protein source within five hours before or after you get done working out. So the requirement of the immediate protein or immediate meal is really, really super overblown. But that being said, a protein shake can be sometimes really useful to have with your breakfast, instead of breakfast, around working out if it's suitable for you. It's not like I'm saying you shouldn't do that. I'm just saying it's not as, doesn't need to be as highly prioritized as, you know, marketing claims may lead you to believe. But just getting that extra protein from a shake per day is going to make things a lot easier on you. The next macronutrient to talk about here is fat. The only other one that is, like I said, a completely essential macronutrient. And fats are responsible for keeping your hormonal balance at an optimal level. If you actually ate low enough fat, which again, is not something that people on any sort of a regular diet are probably going to have to worry about, your, pro- your, sorry, your testosterone levels could be subject to a drop. Um, but like I said, not something you're probably going to have to worry about too much. And the important note here is that when people hear this, they kind of think maybe, oh yeah, you know, more fat equals more testosterone. And it's not a linear increase like that. It's just one of those things where if you have enough, you're going to have a normal level of testosterone. It's not going to be like you eat more and more fat. You're going to get more and more testosterone. It does not work like that. Um, fats are kind of more cut and dry um, than protein in terms of sources, you really want to go for higher quality sources. And for me, what that means is getting plenty of and a majority of your fats from unsaturated sources. I do think that saturated fats are perfectly okay to include in the diet in a relatively large amount based on what you might have heard is optimal um, from different media sources out there. I kind of think that saturated fat is unfairly villainized. Um, But that being said, you don't want to have it be like a super large percentage of your diet. Um, Anywhere from about 30 to 40% of your fat being saturated is going to be, I guess, kind of on the high side, maybe like 20 to 30% is more realistic. And then having 60 to 70% of your fats being from unsaturated sources, either polyunsaturated or monounsaturated. Um, Just for reference here, that's usually going to be things like avocados, nuts, olive oil, One thing to avoid is to eat um, oils that are vegetable oils like soybean oil, safflower oil, corn oil, canola oil, because these are really unhealthily processed. 
and they're really unnatural. And I kind of have gone into this before and could give you more information if you wanted to reach out. But as a general guideline, there's really not that much I try to keep out of my diet totally. But vegetable oils are one of those things. Again, if you eat anything like soybean, safflower, corn oil, canola oil, or any other vegetable oil, I would highly recommend keeping that out of your diet because there's a lot of negative outcomes and consequences that can come from including that, especially in too large of an amount. Always just opt for olive oil. I always cook with olive oil, put it in any recipe that needs oil, and it always does the job. And it's one of those you can count on as being a good, uh, healthy fat for you to include in your diet. That being said, something I always try to warn people about is we have this, um, this paradigm of, oh, these are healthy fats, avocados, nuts, olive oil. And no doubt they're healthy and they can offer a lot of important nutrients. What we have to be careful of is, like I said at the beginning, at nine calories per gram, fat is the most calorie dense macronutrient. So be careful not to over consume this stuff because it's going to lead to a calorie excess really quickly. Um, if you're eating a meal with avocado and you have eggs, which also have a good amount of fat, and you have maybe you cook the eggs in olive oil. All this stuff can add up super quick. Um, something I do personally is just use an olive oil spray when I'm cooking eggs or something like that so that it's less of uh, an amount of olive oil that gets soaked up into the food. Um, in addition, just trying to be careful to measure out uh, fat sources when you can, when it's appropriate, kind of figuring out what does two tablespoons of peanut butter look like? What does a tablespoon or two tablespoons of butter look like? What does a tablespoon or two of olive oil look like? And being careful not to just really overdo it on these fats that are always called healthy. And yes, are healthy, but no food is healthy when it is consumed in a vast caloric excess leading to more body fat gain than we want. The last macronutrient here is carbs. And I said that carbs are not essential. And all that really means is that we could go on surviving as people without any carbs, technically. I don't recommend anyone not eat carbs or even tries to go on like a low carb or keto type diet. I'm not a big fan of that stuff because carbs are so important for athletic performance and weightlifting. And as most of you on here are active, especially in lifting weights, that is not something I'd recommend by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but again, is possible as far as just, you know, yes or no, could you do it? Yes, you could totally cut out carbs. Again, I don't recommend it by any means. You can also get so many um, micronutrients from eating carb-rich foods like fruits and vegetables. And so I think that they very, very well-deservingly should be about a third of your diet or even more, especially when you're trying to build muscle. They can be advantageous more so than fat because they are less likely to be stored as fat and they're more thermogenic, which is something I'm about to get to here in a second, but that's why they're better for gaining muscle. This is super, super slight. And um, in addition to that, I wanted to mention before I got to the last topic here, carbs, you wanna be careful here because when I personally count macros, I'm only counting protein and then the rest of my calories. So I'm not going and counting and having a goal of how many carbs or fats to eat every day. Because a lot of times my days are gonna vary so much, especially when I'm out to eat or eating at a family event or whatever it is. And again, that's something to talk about as far as just having control over your 
neurosis about food. You really don't need to be counting macros every single day. Again, looking at that 80-20 as it applies to your life in total. If 80% of your days you're under control and you're paying attention to what you eat, 20% of the time having that you know, shitty fast food meal or a meal out with the family, Sunday dinner, whatever it is, is not going to ruin your progress by any means and should be enjoyed um, without guilt because that's having these gatherings around food and eating tasty, delicious food, you know, with friends or family is one of those things that's one of that makes us human and makes us, you know, it's such a enriching experience. Something I often tell people or apply to my own life is saying, is this treat or this indulgence going to be worth it? To me, I relatively, um, strictly don't keep any desserts or, on macro friendly foods in my house. Again, right now is kind of the exception, trying to get these bulking calories up. But generally, I don't keep any desserts or other very, quote, unhealthy foods in my house because I'm going to be tempted to eat them and eat them in large amounts. Um, but I'm all pretty free in letting myself kind of eat whatever at a family event, at a special dinner, out on a date, you know, whatever it is. And that kind of is what makes up subsequently my 80-20 kind of analysis of the foods that I eat. Um, as far as types of carbs, like I mentioned, fruits, vegetables, those are always going to be on the table. I think it's crazy that some people may suggest that you should eat less fruit because, you know, the sugar or whatever. If it's a whole natural food, don't worry about it having sugar or whatever. It's, if it comes from the ground, if it comes from the earth, if it's a natural food, eat as well, I wouldn't necessarily say as much of it as you want, because any food consumed in excess can lead to fat gain, like I said, but it's hard to eat too much fruit. And that's what's making you fat. It's probably going to be all these other things, these processed foods that you're including in your diet. So fruits, vegetables, you want plenty of those. If you want a guideline, I try to eat two to six servings of fruits and vegetables per day. Uh, and then you want to have a lot of whole grains or other whole nutrient dense carbs like potatoes. Myself personally, um, I eat, like I said, oatmeal every morning. Um, I eat a pretty fair amount of sweet potatoes or white potatoes, contrary to popular belief. Those are not, you know, one is not really a lot healthier than the other. Um, sweet potatoes do have a few more micronutrients, but it's weird how, you know, people will have this vision of like, oh, sweet potatoes are so much healthier. Not really true. Again, not something I'm trying to go totally in the weeds with, but trying to eat more whole grains than not. White grains are not going to kill you. I can link to the podcast I did about refined grains recently and why it's probably smart to limit them. But again, it's not one of those things we have to freak out if you're getting white bread, if you're getting white rice, whatever it is. I eat plenty of white rice throughout the week. Sometimes I buy that instead of brown rice because it's more tasty and it goes down easier, especially during these bulking days. But yeah, trying to get those whole nutrient dense uh, forms of carbs again, just as is our focus overall. I mentioned the word thermogenic. So thermogenic applies to the amount of calories burned while consuming a food. So interestingly enough, our bodies do take a certain amount of calories to break down the food that we eat. In protein, anywhere from 20 to 30% of the calories we consume are burned by thermogenesis. So it takes about, say, 100 calories of protein, 20 calories of that your body is just going to use breaking that down. So that's another reason why it's important to include protein. Carbs are going to be about half that or less, anywhere from like 5 to 10% of the calories consumed are burned during thermogenesis. And fats is really low, um, about 3% or less of those calories are burned through thermogenesis. 
So again, another important reason to eat protein. And again, to be honest, another thing that's not super important to get into the weeds on, but another just interesting component to the whole equation here that we're talking about. Uh, one last thing I did want to mention with carbs, they are going to be really helpful for recovery also. Another reason why I would never encourage anyone to limit them, especially if you're doing any sort of intense exercise. And another thing that's important to mention is just that you need to get enough fiber. When you're looking at your carbs, fiber is gonna be really important because it pays, it pays, excuse me, it plays a very important role in getting and keeping us full. So making sure that you're not very low on fiber, I wouldn't probably go so far as to track it, but just making sure you're getting a couple servings a day of foods that are high in fiber, things like whole grains, things like beans. If you're getting enough fruits and vegetables, you're probably fine here. Uh, oatmeal is a good source. Unless it's an issue where you're feeling really hungry or you're feeling like you're not having um, the bowel movements you should um, to make it uh, nice, I guess. That's when I'd look at fiber. Normally wouldn't put too much emphasis on it, but just to say, careful not to eat way too little. Um, like I said, I personally have gone back and forth on the macro tracking. I currently do track my macros just because I have made it so far in terms of my body composition that I feel like to continue to progress, I have to be pretty accurate with my macros. I want this small calorie surplus right now while I'm bulking in order to gain muscle. And if I'm not doing that, if I'm maintaining, I wanna be right around that number. I'm gonna maintain that. And then if I'm cutting, I want to be pretty direct on cutting quickly. Again, I only do that for a fourth of the year. So I wanna get it done, get that body fat shredded as fast as possible. But in general, I wouldn't recommend people to track macros, especially right away if you're new in the whole health and fitness journey. It's funny because when I look back at when I first started being aware of macros, I thought it was everything. I couldn't believe that some people, you know, didn't track macros. I was like, oh, you know, this is the only way. But like I said, I've come much more to believe in just whole nutrient dense food most of the time. And that in turn leads us to hitting a very appropriate macro goal, but it's not necessarily because we're counting macros. It's because we're just eating these square meals, as I like to say. They have some fat, they have some carbs, they have some proteins, they're from whole nutrient-dense sources of food, and the macros kind of take care of themselves. Now, if you are on the go more, maybe if you're, for some reason, eating a really wide variety and composition of food, it can be appropriate to track macros more often. Or maybe, like I said, you just want to experiment with it for a number of weeks and a number of months just to see what sort of calorie composition and macro composition goes into your foods. I would definitely encourage that. Um, just be careful not to get too neurotic about it. Like I can remember when I first started tracking macros, it seems silly to say now, but it's like I'd track things like a couple pieces of candy. It'd be like 50 uh, calories and like 10 grams of carbs or whatever. I would never do something like that now. Um, something that, this is kind of what I'm going to end on, but something that I found very useful is studying and looking at like old school bodybuilding. So when I talk about bodybuilding, it's a lot more focused on like the Arnold Schwarzenegger type era because I feel like that's more of a physique to aspire to in the first place. And in addition, the drugs weren't more or less running 
rampant, like they kind of are now in bodybuilding. Uh, but if you look back at how those guys ate, they weren't tracking macros. They were just eating these whole nutrient dense sources of food. They were eating saturated fat. Like I said, I don't think it should be villainized like it is. They were eating eggs. They were eating, of course, plenty of fruits and vegetables, just a, a diet that they considered healthy. And when they wanted to gain muscle, they'd eat more. They'd eat past their satiety signals just a little bit, kind of like I'm doing right now, just eating a little bit more food than my body is asking for. Not that I'm stuffed or anything like that, but you have to consume a surplus of calories in order to grow. And then when it came time to cut to lean out for their bodybuilding compositions, sorry, competitions, they just tapered their food down. They tapered it down and they made sure that they were losing weight, losing body fat at an appropriate rate. And it was never one of those things where I don't even think they would have known what macronutrients were if you would have asked them back then, but they knew that carbs did certain things for them, fats did certain things for them. They knew they needed a high protein diet, but they got those incredible physiques through just knowing that, okay, in these three months, I need to lean out before my show. I need to cut body fat. So I'm going to eat less. I'm not going to eat till I'm full. You know, maybe I'm eating a little bit more protein, a little bit less carbs and fat, but it doesn't have to be such a mathematical, you know, equation, um, crunching of the numbers. If you, especially if you have goals that aren't super serious, you want to just be healthy and fit overall and get a little bit stronger again, get a little healthier. Um, so I hope that this was all helpful. I know that I kind of reversed the order and there was a little bit of rambling at times, but I think this is a really interesting topic that a lot of people can benefit from. And so I look forward to you guys reaching out, sharing the podcast on social, stuff like that. And please contact me with any questions you may have. Hey guys, thank you for tuning into the Beyond Fit podcast. If you would be so kind, please take 30 seconds out of your day and post a rating and review for the podcast. Additionally, you can follow me on Instagram. Both of those links are here in the show notes. Go ahead and tag me and screenshot when you're listening to the show and I'll be sure to share it and say thanks there.